Welcome to Lighthouse Fellowship. My name is Jim Barcliff, the pastor here. We're glad you've joined us today. We're excited about what God's going to do during this time of our sharing from the Word of God, how powerful the Word of God is. And I pray that uh, you would truly just get into the Word during the week and uh, really seek the Lord, seek His face and what He has for you because He has great and mighty things uh, and He is doing great things on the earth. No matter what you see today, we know that God is on His throne. And we know that things seem to be getting darker and darker, but yet we know the light of Jesus begins to just rise up even uh, at a faster rate. So continue to seek him that uh, you may know him and uh, actually hunger and thirst after righteousness because the Bible says you will be filled, that you will be filled. And the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. I always pray, Lord, give me a pure heart because I want to see God. And I know you do also. Let's begin with prayer. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day you've given us. We've come together in the precious and holy name of Jesus. And it is just a, a joy to be able to come together as your children. And we thank you for these here in the sanctuary. We ask your blessing and your uh, Lord that our ears of our hearts would be opened. And we pray that too for those who are watching live stream today or may look at it at a different time. We just pray the anointing of God upon this service. We ask you to come, Lord, Holy Spirit of God. Because we need you. We know, Lord, it's the anointing of God that breaks the yoke. And we know today that you will do mighty things as we truly share from the word of God. Reminded of Isaiah 55 that says that your word will not return void. That it will go forth and accomplish everything that you have desired for it to accomplish. And so we believe that today. We believe you, Lord. And I pray blessings upon those who are watching this today and those here in the, in the church. We just pray special blessings upon them that this week would be a week that they would draw close to the Lord. You would actually, Lord, just begin to woo us and draw us, dear Lord. And the Bible says that if we'll draw near to you, then you'll draw near to us. We exalt you. Now you speak, Lord, and let me get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth in power. We'll praise you forever. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Turn to John chapter 12. We're going to look at something I wish every person could hear, not because I'm preaching it, but because it's the word of God. You know, each scripture that I come to, you've heard me say it before, and that is, hey, this is my favorite right here. This is it. Well, I want to tell you, this talks a lot about what we're seeing today in our society and has been throughout history. I wish that every person could hear this message because I believe not only is it certainly the word and God's word edifies, it exhorts, it corrects, but also warns us. And I believe we're in crucial times in this, the history of, of our of our lives in this country, and I believe around the world also. I believe that we're living through some perilous times. You see the, the riots, we see the burning, we see the destruction, and it seems that people do not have a conscience, that it seems like it doesn't bother them to go about and do the things that they're doing. And I, this, this, this word today, I believe, will, will help us to understand more about what it's all about and then be able to live and, and to walk through these times and maybe and obviously to rise above those things and, and to walk in victory because Jesus has called us to walk in victory. So we begin in verse 37 of John chapter 12. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. Jesus had done many miracles before this time as they came up. He was doing that even though he did all these miraculous signs they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? 
For this reason, they could not believe. Because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. And Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise from men more than the praise from God. And then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. And when he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. And I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And as for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know that this command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Powerful in what's being said here. I'm really amazed that Jesus had done all of these miracles and yet they still did not believe. It's amazed here. You know, people have blinders on their eyes because you can see God in all of creation, can't you? You can see God in the birds. You can see God in the flowers. You can look out at night when there's not a haze or maybe you have a, you know, it's dark here and you can look out into the heavens and you can see the the vastness of that. You can see that the, the sky just goes on and on and on. And we know the stars are just humongous. We can't even describe how big they are. And yet they light up the sky. You can see all the heavens and, and its handiwork. And yet people still say, I do not believe. And why is that? What, why is, are these types of things going on? You know, we, we sometimes, the, sc- the schools in the past have tried to uh, teach uh, Darwinism or the theory of evolution there. That we somehow evolved from a monkey. Okay? Don't. Don't in any way respond to me on that. Don't look at me like that. We did not somehow evolve from a monkey. We obviously were created by God Almighty. And he, he creates us for a purpose. But yet, we know that theory really took hold in children's lives today. And there's a teaching. And there's a lot of erroneous teaching that's going on out there today. I won't go into that. That's another story here. But you remember, Jesus turned the water into wine, remember? He spoke to the blind man, and they saw, remember? He delivered those who were uh, demon-possessed. He cast out demons. But he even raised the dead. Remember the story we talked about a couple weeks ago about Lazarus when he raised the dead there? They saw that. They were, the, the crowds that followed Jesus were, were huge. I mean, there were lots and lots of people that were seeing him do all these things. And so word traveled back then because we know that that was one way of of being able to communicate. It traveled there. People would talk and so forth. And yet they still did not believe in Jesus. I'll say this today. Demons believe in Jesus. They can't have faith in Jesus because they're fallen angels there. But demons do believe in Jesus. They know that he is Lord over all. They do know in one way or another, I believe that they may be cast or out of the presence of the Lord into the everlasting lake of fire. There we, they know that and also. But people will not believe. They just will not believe. And I'm amazed at that continuing on. But that's what the facts are here. Obviously, during this time, 
the vast majority of the people did not believe in Jesus. Their Messiah who they had prayed for and the one that they were looking for all that time, they obviously, here he was, standing right before them, the very Son of God. And the Messiah came, and yet they did not. They, many, many did not. There were some that came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and believed in him, but there were many that did not believe in him. I guess the question is today, even, say, in our immediate vicinity, in our community, in the city of Houston and beyond, how many people today are in the, in the church? I know COVID keeps a lot from going into church, but if the churches were open, how many people would be listening to the word of God and being able to seek the Lord and so forth and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ? Actually, the majority of people will not believe. But obviously, there will be few. And, you know, I thank God that by his grace <clears throat> that I had parents to take me to church. Me and my brother, and we've heard me speak of that before. And so I heard the word of God. I didn't always walk with the Lord. And, and obviously God touched me and changed my life and so forth. But I knew the truth. I knew that. And God was raised in that environment. But you see today, many people do not at all. And they don't have a chance. And when they stand before God Almighty and say, but, but, I didn't have a chance. And God will say, yes, you did. There will be no excuse. The Bible talks about it in Romans chapter 1. No excuse when they come before before the Lord and they won't believe and we think today if we could just in the church house even have a, a little bit more exciting programs and maybe a little bit more exciting of this and that that people would really believe maybe that would change people's minds and I want to tell you today it won't it won't do that there'll be people that will not believe no matter what but you see miracles obviously uh, in themselves are not obviously uh, the the, the really thing about it is because miracles are an opportunity for faith. A miracle from God is a message from God calling people to a decision. A decision to either acknowledge the hand of God and submit to him or a decision to explain it away and to live independent of God. It really brings us to sort of a crossroads there in the decision of whether or not we're going to yield our hearts to God and believe him or whether or not we're going to reject him. We see you see basically the whole thing is is man's wanting to be independent from God. They don't want to be accountable to anybody. They don't want, obviously, to, to have to live up to those standards. And we know we're not able to do that all, also without God's presence in our lives, without the blood of Jesus, without the Holy Spirit giving us the power to live the way God calls us to do. And we know we're flawed. We know we're, we're obviously, we, we still have sin after we come to Jesus Christ. But we know that we're forgiven because of what Jesus Christ and nothing that we did. Nothing we did. Jesus paid it all when he went to Calvary. You see, the response of unbelief was exactly what the prophets were saying. In uh, Isaiah 53, verse 1, it says this. The arm of the Lord refers to the power of God there. You know, he's saying, you know, they, you've displayed your power and they still don't believe it. They still don't. They look around. They have a conscience there. They know when they do something wrong that, that, that their conscience is pricked unless they've, they've done wrong so long and, and they rejected what God is. God taps on their, their heart's door and reject it and their conscience becomes seared because I do believe that, that people's conscience can become seared. You've, you've looked at people who've done some really horrible things and you wonder how could they do that? It's because many times is uh, they, their conscience has been seared. They have no conscience because you said, you probably looked at it and said, they just don't have any conscience at all. And so we see that that can take place. What we see here of unbelief. And so how does a heart become so hardened that it can't believe? And I believe, I want to suggest to you this morning, it happens because of a res resistance, a resi resistance to the workings of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life. 
When I resist the Lord. You see, God, if you could say it in, in our way of understanding, He's a gentleman. He won't force Himself on anybody. He waits till our, we step His way. Remember, the Bible says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to us. We have to respond in that. He won't coerce us. He won't force us to come to Him. He stands back and waits. And sometimes it's when we are at rock bottom is when we cry out to Him. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, it says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The way to destruction is wide. But the way to life is narrow. He says a lot of people go that broad way, that wide way, but very few people entered into life because they've not surrendered their heart to Jesus. You see, what that's saying is many people will go to hell and there'll be, in a sense of comparison, very few that will go to heaven in relationship. Look at the number of people that are going out into eternity. They go out into eternity every day, if you think about it, who've never, ever received Jesus Christ into their life to save them. Because if you believe the Bible when Jesus says in John chapter 14 that I am the way, the truth, and the life and no man comes to the Father except through me. If you believe that and you really believe what the Word of God says about that, there are no other ways to God. Because many people today believe that there are many ways to God. That my God is good as your God. My God is good as Jehovah God. I believe. And all of them, the God of the Bible, I believe this and all and so forth. And you know, Bible people say today, everybody's going to heaven. I've been a good person. Everybody's going to heaven, not according to the Bible. The Bible says, as you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, as you surrender your life to him, that obviously you become born again. You know that you're a sinner and you're in need of God's grace and you surrender your life to the Lord. And that's when you come into the kingdom of heaven. That's when you're born again and you're saved. You see, many will go to hell and there will be few in relation, in comparison there to heaven. Obviously, and I believe I want to ask you something. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, today would be the day that you surrender your heart to Jesus. Because I want to tell you, you've always heard the story. The older we get, it appears to be the harder it is to come to Jesus. We get set in our ways. We get obviously hard of heart. And we'll obviously see here biblically. If you've never done that, you've never made that decision, don't wait. Don't wait. I know sometimes people will sit in church services. People will listen and so forth. And the Holy Spirit pricks their hearts. The Holy Spirit convicts their hearts. And they refuse to receive the call of Christ in their life. And they refuse and refuse and refuse. And that knocking on their heart's door by Jesus begin, be, becomes more faint, fainter all the time. And before long, they can't hear that, you see. The only way that you can come to Jesus is through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And then yielding your heart to Him. And if you reject him and you reject him and you reject him continually on and on, I want to tell you, you're in a dangerous position. Now, I know God can do anything. And I see people later on in life and we pray that. And I know that God can do this because with God, all things are possible. But I want to tell you, if God's touching your heart today and he's saying, I want you to make a decision for me. I want you today to bow your heart, bow your head and ask Jesus to come into your life. And to get saved and know what's going to happen to you when you take your last breath that you'll be in the presence of God. Do that. Don't wait. It's a dangerous thing to be uh, in that obviously position and not make a decision. You see, these people in Jesus' day have become hard hearted. 
We can become hard-hearted and callous. You know, a man that works with his hands, maybe he, he uses a shovel or other things he does with his hands. His hands become callous, don't they? They have calluses on them. And we know that's true. That's what happens with our, with our hearts. They become calloused and become hard. They can't receive that seed of the Word of God in their hearts. And they become, obviously, they'll drift away from the Lord, you see. And so what brings us to this point of not believing God? You've seen miracles because miracles are happening around us all the, all the time. I don't know about you. I've been on the freeway before and I've seen how God has spared me from having an accident. You ever been on the freeway there and you're there in this lane in that right lane you're driving, hopefully as best you can uh, in a lawful position there and so forth. And somebody come out of the left lane there and the exit's right there. And that person will come all the way across there. And get off and somehow and obviously endanger everybody that's going along there. And you can see how if you were there and you were just a little bit before then, they would have slammed them beside you and possibly it would have really endangered you, your life or injured you uh, or whatever it may be. How many times have you seen that God has protected you in life? God has protected me. And I've seen that. I know times when I wasn't walking with the Lord and God protected me and God protected you. You think about it today. You see, today we don't recognize the miracles. Our hearts become callous. We take all of this for granted. We sort of go through the the religious uh, motion and so forth. But our hearts obviously takes on a numbness there and insensitivity. And this was what was happening at that particular time because disappointments in our life. God didn't do what I wanted him to do. You know, he's disappointed me. You know, God didn't heal my grandmother or God didn't do this and that. And we become disappointed. We become disillusioned and so forth. And what happens if we're not careful? Uh, we, we get a root of bitterness in our hearts. We get a root of anger in our hearts. And, and we haven't come before the Lord and asking Him to soften our hearts. And our hearts become hardened and all. And see, these things can happen. It can happen in believers' life. We, we sometimes, you know, uh, see that people will attribute the things and works of Jesus to the devil. And I want to read a story here to you. I believe it's so so important. I want to let you understand this today. It's, it's something that I, I have uh, studied recently. And uh, it's very important we understand it. And this was from Matthew chapter 12, verses 22. Let's go through it here. And then they brought him a demon-possessed man, Jesus, who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him. And so that he could, he could both walk and talk, he could talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said it is only by Belshazzar or by Satan is what they're saying, by devil, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said to him, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Belshazzar, by whom do your people drive them out? And so then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man and then he can rob his house? He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every sin, and listen, Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. 
Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. And make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. He goes on. What is, what is he saying in this whole thing? What's he saying? The Pharisees were saying, you're driving out demons because a demon is in you driving out the demons. And Jesus said, that doesn't make sense. Why would a demon drive out a demon? The demons want to inhabit people and stay in people. Why would they do that and so forth? And so he's saying, you know, a house divided against itself cannot stand. In other words, that's not true. But he says this. He said, but if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. But then they go on because they're not believing. Remember, they're not believing the miracles of God and and they're attributing it to Satan, basically. But what they're doing is they're continuing to sin and say, obviously, we're not going to believe. And Jesus basically stops and says, wait a minute. You continue to harden your hearts against the Holy Spirit by blasphemy and attributing this to the enemy, to, to say you keep doing that and your hearts will become so hard that at some point you cannot receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the only way you can come to Jesus is by the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you've just lost it because of that. Your heart can become so hardened that you no longer can feel the pricking of God's Spirit. That's what happened to him. They continued. He said this. Every word spoken against me. This was the son of God. That God himself will be forgiven. But if you keep blaspheming. You keep sinning. And you keep saying. And continuing to harden your heart. Against the Holy Spirit. You get to a point to where you'll not be able to see. Do you wonder why. When you talk to people sometimes about Jesus. And you really feel like God has put on your heart. To talk to them about Jesus Christ. And they like have no interest at all. They have no interest at all. It's like it's gone over. They have no obviously in any way desire to know anything about the things of God. They have none or whatever. You know, could it be their hearts are so hardened? They've seen they've said no to the spirit of God so many times that they can no longer be convicted. The only way you and I have come to Jesus is because we were convicted of the Holy Spirit. Realizing we were sinners in need of his grace. And then at the same time, realizing that Jesus offered it freely. Freely he gave to us and we received. That's what will happen. That's what happened to these people here. And obviously you go through life and you have to be careful because you can become hardly. So so here in this, how do we do that here? I believe it's when we regularly come before the Holy Spirit of God and receive the anointing to be to be anointed, being sensitive, listening to him. We come before him and listen to him and open our hearts to him and asking him to soften our hearts, you see. You ever had a piece of leather and you've hung it up somewhere and it dried out? What happened to it? Eventually it began to crack, didn't it? Eventually it did. So what would you do? You would take oil on it and you would take rub it down with oil and that oil made it soft and made it pliable made it be inflexible and so forth. It's the same way with all of the Holy Spirit of God. Open your heart to Him. Believe in Him. And on a regular basis, being sensitive to Him and letting Him come in and keeping your heart soft and pliable and obviously listening to the Word of God. Without Him doing this, then obviously your heart can get hard. You remember the story of Exodus when the Hebrew children were leaving Egypt? Remember what happened? Remember what was... You know, obviously, y'all saw, y'all saw the... The Ten Commandments on TV, obviously. You've read the, you've read the book. <clears throat> and Moses threw his staff down. Remember, it became a snake. Remember locusts that came? 
Remember the water turned to blood? Remember all that? And then the firstborn was killed, obviously, and all these things were happening. There were things happening. Pharaoh saw it all. And Moses continued to come to Pharaoh. And what was he doing? He was coming, giving an opportunity for Pharaoh to repent, to let the people go, let God's people go. Coming out of bondage, remember? And he said, no. Remember, right up to the very end. And finally, he did. But his heart had become so hardened. And the Bible says that God hardened his heart. Well, yes, he did. But what happened was is that Pharaoh rejected repentance so many times and said no to God so many times. His heart was hard. And so God just said, there it is. It's over. You see, we have a free will and moral choices to make every day. Sometimes they're big choices. Sometimes they're small. But the choices that you and I make, obviously, are not just something that we sort of like vast passes us. They last for eternity. Many things obviously have consequences. The things that we do, obviously, uh, uh, they're, they're important. But if you don't open your eyes and see God everywhere, God is there and God does that. And, and he, he is here. And if we'll open our hearts, we see that. He wants to talk to you and me. I know he talks to the word of God. He speaks, but he wants to speak to you. He wants to guide you. He wants to be with you. He, we're the bride of Christ. He wants to, to be with us. He is with us. He wants us to recognize his presence. But we know there in the book of Revelation, he's, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Bam, bam, bam. He said, if any man will open the door, if you'll just open the door to me, then I'll come in. And what does he say? He says, I'll dine with you. We'll sit down and have a meal together. That's what he wants from you and me. That's what he died. He's knocking on the door. But see, we can say no, no. And the church at Laodicea there, as Jesus was inspecting what they were doing, and he was bringing correction. You see, the church at Laodicea could have repented there. They said, you know, you think you got everything, but you don't have me. You got all the wealth. You've got the big cathedral of churches, but you don't have the presence of the Lord because your hearts are hard, because your hearts are not open to me. That's what he was saying in that. They wouldn't repent. They wouldn't humble themselves and say, Jesus, come in. I hear you knocking. Come in. And it's the same way with you and I today. Jesus is trying to get our attention. Jesus is trying to get the attention of the people here in the United States of America today to turn to him and that we will see an awakening across this land. And the church house is what he's looking at to say, are we going to repent? Are we going to ask him and, say, and diligently cry out to him and say, Lord, we're desperate for you for revival awakening because Jesus is the only answer. Jesus, there's no other answer except for Jesus and him coming and softening, touching people's hearts. That's where we are. Maybe in individuals, maybe as families and certainly here as a nation, we need to pray. Because I believe God is doing something. I believe God wants us, but he's waiting for you and I because he's saying, behold, I stand at the door. I'm knocking. Do you hear me knocking? Let me come in. That's what we do today. You see, there's that free will that we have. What you and I choose here, I believe. If I choose to harden my heart, I believe that's what God gives me. I believe what we seek after is what we become, don't you? You seek after money? then obviously you're going to seek after money. You'll become money-oriented. You seek after fame, then obviously you'll have that. And you know that fame is short-lived. You've seen that before. If you seek after lust, then that's what you'll become, what you seek after. But if you seek after the Lord and want to be more like Jesus, that's what you become. But it's our choice because God has given us a free will. He doesn't come. And He's not made us like robots. 
He gives us an opportunity, certainly here. And I believe that you can harden your heart. People sitting in the church house. And as we gather, and even today, those that are returning for worship, people sit and God is knocking at their heart's door and they can harden their hearts. Maybe God has got a call on your life. Maybe God has said he wants you to do something. And you say, I can't do it. I can't do it. And God really is just saying, just believe me. I can do it through you. It's not going to be you doing it anyway. And you harden your heart and you harden your heart. You know how many people I saw at the end of their life? And I've, I've shared this before. And, and they said, Jim, I believe I was called to do this when I was a young boy, but, but I got off the wrong track and I began doing all these things and, and I got off and I didn't do the things of God like, like my mother or my grandfather or my grandmother prayed for me about and so forth. And I, I, I look back over my life and I regret not doing what God told me to do because it hardened their hearts and they got off on the wrong track. You see, many people today obviously won't believe because they don't want to change their ways. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. Let me tell you, there are many people today who obviously will not and refuse to believe the truth. And I believe that's where we are today in society. I believe that's why, obviously, even today that that we need revival so much because they have refused the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Remember when Pilate was getting ready to send Jesus to be crucified and his wife told him, said, I had a dream. Don't mess with that man. There's something about this man. Don't mess with him. And Pilate obviously was convicted also. And then he looked at Jesus and he said, what is truth? And he was looking directly at truth. Jesus is truth. His word is truth. Jesus is the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And they refuse that. They just look at us many times and just say we're a lot of old religious folks and, you know, following our family's footsteps and all that. They don't really know. We need to get with it. And you see what's happened is God has sent them a delusion where they can't see it. What do you think today? And I'm not going to pick on one particular sin, but if you look at the gay lifestyle today, you know, they sent a delusion. People believe that. And I'm going, how can they really read the Bible and say, this is just acceptable? I mean, just common sense tells you it's unnatural. Man and man, and a woman and woman. Common sense tells you that. But you see, they have refused the truth. They believed a lie. Listen to what Romans chapter 1 says, verse 21 through 27. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images made to look like mortal man and birds and the animals and reptiles. Therefore, God them, gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. And because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust, and even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned their natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. You see the rainbow lighting up different buildings and all that? Not only is that what's happening, 
not only are churches and many times ordaining people of this lifestyle and just bowing to this, but they're also what? Celebrating it. We're going to celebrate it. And God said, I've turned you over because you have believed a lie and I have sent a spirit of delusion on you and you can't see straight is what he's saying. And that's what's happened, I believe. Obviously, and here, look at the progression of events in the passage. First of all, although they knew God here, uh, they knew the creation of the testimony of creation alone tells you there's God. And once you step out and say, yes, the God, God begins to reveal more and more and more. You begin and he does. No person stand before God will be able to excuse, have an excuse. And the Bible says that they're without excuse, basically, because they believe the lie and they continue in that lie. And then what happened? They were blind. They were blinded by it. Their thinking became futile there. And so God gave them over to shameful lust. When that happens, you're in dire trouble. God gives us over when we continue and say, I want my way and I don't care what your word says and I don't care what right and wrong is. I want my way. And God gives us over to those shameful things because our heart's so hard we can't receive the truth. Because we believe the lie so long, you see. God simply, obviously, respects the free will of a man. You choose, obviously, again, these things that are not of God. Obviously, nothing wrong with money. But it is the love of money that's the root of all evil, it says. Not money. It's the love of money. Not money. He doesn't say he prospers us, thank God. But it's the love of money there. But what does he say? Seek first his kingdom. And his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. Seek the Lord. Do you believe that? Seeking him first and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. That's what we're to seek. Not all these other things that could actually captivate our heart and bring us more into bondage there. You see, it's amazing about this that they they did not believe. <clears throat> they did. They just refused to believe. You see. We will be responsible for what we do in this life today. We will stand accountable. Not obviously if you're Christian and not at the great white throne judgment, but certainly at the judgment seat of Christ. We judge on our works, not because we work for our salvation. Our salvation is given it to us by grace. You can't earn it. It's free. Everybody who receives. But God looks at us and say, well, how are you living your life? What are you living your life for today? It's important to know that. Why would a person choose unbelief over belief? Faith in God places a certain demand on him because if God is and if God is holy and calls us to be holy, then there are things that one must do in obedience to the moral nature of God. By and large, unbelief is simply the insistence of having our own way rather than bowing to the, the rulership of the Almighty. I want my way. Isn't that true? Isn't that what people say? I want my way. And then eventually they continue to say that. And God says, I love you so much for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I love you so much. And yet they continue on. What's he do? He turns them over. He says at some point, it may be that you never, you don't have a conscience. You don't have that feeling of conviction in the heart because you have denied what God is doing in your life. That's why, obviously, you've got to do something. It's not just, yeah, everybody. The demons believe in Jesus. Not just about here. It's in here. And what you do with it. Not about that here. Obviously. They talked about a large number of leaders. Believed also. But they wouldn't stand up for Jesus. They just said yeah we believe in Jesus. Remember that in verse 
42. They said they'd believe that because why? Because they were afraid they would be put out of the synagogue, you see. And so they were afraid. In other words, what they did, they were obviously more fearful of what man would say about them than what God would say about them. And that's the question today of how we stand and where we stand with that. Are we more afraid of what, what man will say about us? Or are we more afraid of what God will say about us? You see, the Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. It'll bring you down. Are you afraid what God will say? What, what, what man will say? If you raise your banner high in the marketplace and say, I'm a Christian. I want everybody to know it. Not being obnoxious or any way belligerent, obviously not at all. But you raise your fat flag in the marketplace today. Why not today stand up for what is right today? You hear the other side speaking, don't you? I do. And why aren't us standing up for Jesus? It's, it's loving them, yes. But it's proclaiming that they need Jesus Christ. And I mentioned last week about the man standing on the street corner in Tomball. And he was preaching there with his box, with a microphone. And he was walking back and forth. And, and in that, I heard him say, I've been delivered from drugs. And he was sharing scripture of how Jesus had delivered him. He was so thankful to be free. And they had that gift of salvation, you see. What he was doing was raising his flag in the marketplace real high. Saying, I'm a Christian. This is what I believe. There's right and wrong in this place today. And I want to tell you, the devil is doing all he can to tell everybody there's no really, there's a gray area here. But it really is right and wrong. What God wants or what he doesn't want. And we need to do that and walk in that every day, you see. Choosing a favor from man is going to get us in trouble every time. And God knows that. We're afraid to uh, share what he has done in our lives with other people. I know that obviously many times we're, we're like, well, what would they think? What if they reject me? So what? What you're doing then is fearing what they'll say about you. We need to be bold in our faith, folks. We need to be bold. We need to share without hesitation to people around us today. Well, we have an opportunity. I bet we have more opportunities than what we realize. I know I do. And this opportunity is give me a chance, Lord. Give me a chance here. And you may be sitting here today or you may be listening to this and, and you're saying, my coworkers are, are I know they need salvation and all and so forth. It may be that God placed you in that place that you're working so that you can be a light that shines in the darkness. Because the darkness is there. The enemy is working. The little jokes around the water cooler are going on. The little words that are spoken there out of their mouths and so forth. You know that people need to know Jesus Christ. And we have that opportunity to share Jesus. But the question is, do we fear men more than we fear God? That's the question for me and for you. There were those who did not believe. They explained away the evidence. They explained all those things away. And, and they basically disappointments and different things that happened in their life. And some people would choose to ignore the evidence to try to explain it away. Others will acknowledge the truth at a certain level there. But the question is, God says, hey, I want all of you. I want your heart. I want all of you. You know, you say, Lord, I, I tell you what, I give you this compartment in my heart and all. But that one back there in the back that that's in secret. I don't want to give you that. I don't want to open that door to you because, you know, what will everybody think about me? And that's what he says to all of us. He says that to me, everyone. But God says, I want all of you. Open my, your heart to me completely and I'll come in. And I'll clean you up. 
and I'll, I'll, I'll just cleanse you, bathe you, and set you free. They didn't want to believe, and their hearts were so hardened that they went away, and they were lost there. Many people today will not openly confess His Lordship. Many people today will not say, hey, I love Jesus. Jesus is Lord of my life. And you know, as we sing these songs, and if we did today, I was thinking about it, and I'm saying, Lord, help us just to sing to you. That's why we're here. This is not about this and that. It's about worshiping you. It's not about how I feel or whether or not I stumble here. And there. It's about worshiping you, the creator, the God of all creation. And I want to tell you today, I believe sometimes I fall short of that. Coming in for different reasons or rushing in, rushing out. But we obviously have that opportunity every day, every moment to worship the king. We can choose to not only acknowledge the truth, but to put our trust in Jesus and what he's done for us on behalf as he went to the Calvary and died for our sins. We have that choice today. We all have a choice throughout life. Believe him or to harden our hearts. There are many people today whose hearts are already hardened and they cannot receive the truth because God's turned them over. Now, I do believe God is the God of second chances, third chances, third, fourth, and you name it. But I do believe it comes a time where God says, I'm done with you, I'm done. And the Spirit of God has tried and tried and tried. And you said no. I want to just encourage everyone here and also watching this today. If you have said no to God in the past, don't wait. Don't wait. We never know what the next moment in time holds for us. Don't wait until that time comes where, where you're forced. Or maybe you go out into eternity and without Jesus in your heart. And you'll be cast out from his presence throughout for eternity. And eternity is eternity. Don't wait. Make the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Receive Jesus today. I encourage you today just to bow your hearts and bow your heads and say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I have sinned against you and I know you're God. You are that son of God who came and gave yourself for me, a sinner. And you died in my place. And you took my sins upon you. And this day, I want to receive from you the salvation that you gave so freely. And I open my heart to you. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me and set me free. If there be anyone here who's hearing the sound of my voice, who is in that position today, I encourage you, don't wait, but open your heart to Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this awesome, wonderful day. We thank you for your word, Lord, that pierces our hearts, encourages us, but Lord, exhorts us, but also, Lord, convicts us. And Lord, today, we just pray, if there be anyone here who, whatever it may be, not just in salvation, but maybe in something you've told them to do, or maybe it's a leading that they've said, I'm, not, I, I'm just not going that far with you, Lord. That today they would say, Lord, I release my life into your hands. I will follow you wherever you lead me. And today would be that day. There be anybody here or listening, never received Jesus. We just pray, Lord, that you come into our hearts and forgive us and to save us. And Lord, seal that upon our hearts for eternity. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.
God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. And we'll see you next week. God bless. Amen.